welcome back to Morning Synth on FM 97.7, KM, JM. Today, we'll be having a very special guest on our show. We'll be speaking with Justin Moynihan, wizard, musician, climber, writer, and filmmaker. Stay tuned. now for a morning poem a jellyfish by Marianne Moore visible invisible a fluctuating charm an amber colored amethyst inhabits it your arm approaches and It opens and it closes. You have meant to catch it and it shrivels. You abandon your intent. It opens and it closes and you reach for it. The blue surrounding it grows cloudy and it floats away from you. Now, for your morning Pomona weather forecast. Today, a chance of showers, then showers and possibly a thunderdoom, thunderstorm, afternoon. High today is near 61 degrees Fahrenheit. East. Northeast wind, around 5 miles per hour, 
becoming south, southwest in the afternoon. Chance of precipitation is 80%. Tonight, showers are likely and possibly a thunderstorm before midnight. Then a chance of showers. Mostly cloudy with a low around 46. South, southwest wind around 5 miles per hour becoming calm after midnight. Chance of precipitation is 70%. Wednesday, showers likely. High near 59 degrees. Chance of precipitation, 70%. By Thursday, showers, high near 60 degrees. Chance of precipitation, 80%. Thursday night, 40% chance of showers, mainly before midnight, with a low around 47 degrees. Starting Friday and working its way through the weekend, mostly sunny during the day, highs in the high 60s. At night, partly cloudy, with the lows around 50 degrees. also be bringing you a weather forecast for San Diego, California. Today, showers with thunderstorms possible afternoon. High near 62. Light south winds in the morning. Chance of precipitation 90 degrees. 90%. New rainfall amounts between a tenth and a quarter of an inch, except higher amounts possible in thunderstorms. Tonight, showers, low around 51. Chance of precipitation, 80%. Wednesday, showers likely with thunderstorms also possible afternoon high near 58 light west wind chance of precipitation 70% through Thursday night chances of showers lows around 50 degrees Starting Friday and working through the weekend, mostly sunny, highs in the mid-60s, lows in the low-50s. You're listening to Morning Synth.
I'm Julian Andrews, and here with me is Eric Santos on the synthesizer, bringing us some tasty licks, as always. Now, for your morning allergies. This morning, we're enjoying bean water. make this bean water we started with the beans and put them in an electric grinder and pulverized them then placed it in a filter where we proceeded to pour boiling water over the crushed beans continued to repeat this process until we had created 18 cups of bean water. What's your favorite way to make bean water?
in just a few moments. We'll be starting our interview. Now, we'll be catching up with Justin Moynihan and talking about his short film. Stay tuned. Hi, Justin. Give us a call back at your earliest convenience. local news I have a report here that local dog Pepper has boofed the incident took place in the main living quarters shortly after the 10th hour of the morning Monday April 6th we have insufficient information at this point in time to determine the cause or reason for the boofing but our top reporters are currently out in the field doing research. Although the cause is not known, we still love Pepper very much. If you see a dog that looks like this,
Beware. We will continue this story as more information is gathered. Now let's catch up with Justin Moynihan. Hello, good morning, Justin. Good morning. Hey. Sorry, sorry, I missed your call. That's okay. Welcome to Morning uh, Synth. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. it. We're really um, happy to have you on the show this morning. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Awesome. So, thanks for coming on our show, Justin. We've known each other from various outdoor ventures, and you were even our former employer in a past life. However, now, you're the creative mind behind the future short film entitled Rescued. But before we get into that, I think it's important that our listeners know, what is your favorite donut? Uh, Anything with cream in it. It sounds like a lot of options. <laughs> um, probably, probably a vanilla cream filled. <laughs> I think that's a wonderful choice. <laughs> yeah. So, um, would you care to give us a walkthrough of the premise of the film? Sure. Um, so it's a it's a twenty minute short. Um, it's about a uh, forest ranger or a park ranger who uh, we kind of meet in the beginning and there's a lot of allusions and to what's going on with her but without giving away too much she's uh, depressed and suicidal but also just living her normal life and she goes out to the wilderness which is kind of her place of comfort and um, hikes up to a cliff so that she can uh, climb up this thing and jump off of it. And before she climbs up to commit suicide, she uh, radios in to search and rescue because she's being considerate of who finds her body. So she wants professionals to find the body. And then uh, she starts to go climbing and, uh, another person's body drops off of the cliff and lands right next to her and uh, the person survives the fall and she has to give the person uh, medical care so uh, then 
there's some medicine and then it kind of leads into a long conversation between her and her patient who's this guy who's in his tidy whities on acid we just fell 150 feet off the cliff that's some, that's the premise of the film that's some pretty heavy stuff <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's i mean it's supposed to be i mean it's gonna play funny as well it's like you know if if everyone in the film is just like um Hollywood depressed and suicidal the whole time. First of all, I don't, I don't feel like it accurately portrays how, I mean, I guess some people as they express depression and suicide and suicidal thoughts, um, they kind of mirror that image. But a lot of the folks I've known in my life have been pretty, uh, pretty funny right up to the end, you know? So like, they can keep their humor and they can they kind of still interact with life in the same ways that they normally do and they just got a lot on their plate so yeah uh, yeah it's it's hard to discern what's what's on what's coming out on the outside and what's on the inside for sure sure and even like what's going on in the inside is not two-dimensional you know just because a person has made the decision that that's their best course of action or um, or they've been like playing with it. it doesn't mean that funny things in life don't make them still laugh or or at least annoy them or you know they're still disrupted by the things that happen in life and it doesn't mean that they're they lack dimension in terms of it, it doesn't necessarily need to be a single-mindedness I guess is the point. Like a person doesn't stop being a person. Uh, it's just they are struggling with this kind of stuff. So yeah, it's incredibly dynamic. <clears throat> and um, if you don't mind us asking, what role does mental health play in your life? Uh, I don't know. I I was pretty certain I was gonna be. Uh, I thought I was gonna have a schizophrenic break in my twenties. Uh, I was I was just like counting the days that would happen. I was pretty certain it would, and uh, it you know happened to a good number of friends of mine. And um, when it didn't, when I didn't like, kind of when there was no like snapping moment, when there was no moment where all of a sudden I didn't recognize myself, um, I kind of it kind of gave you this feeling that I was. Uh, somewhat invincible or impervious to um, quote unquote losing it and yeah, I mean I know that's like a real uh, that in of itself is a kind of uh, two dimensionalized lens of mental health and I've since learned and understood the dynamics of it quite a bit more and there's a lot I don't know because I'm not a mental health professional but you know being almost 40 and Having lived, uh, being fortunate enough to have lived a lot of different uh, lives and been exposed to a lot of different types of people, uh, I've been, um, you know, fortunate to meet a, a diverse amount of people. But then at the same time, I've also uh, lost a lot of, or had a lot of friends uh, struggle deeply with uh, mental health. So, you know, I, 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 I negotiate depression and whatnot, but it's. Uh, not medicated or uh, um, 
what's it called, uh, diagnosed. I have a therapist who says I have PTSD. Let's see, I don't know. You know, it's it's uh, I, I'm always reluctant to give myself the same kind of um, consideration that I do others. But yeah, anyhow, so I, I feel like similar to a lot of folks, I'm dealing with some stuff, but I also feel pretty uh, invincible in other ways. And uh, I, just going back to that idea that I thought I was going to lose my mind and I never did. So, um, but the, the film itself plays more into um, the conversations I've had with really good friends that have either attempted or actually eventually committed suicide. And so I, I, I started noticing a trend amongst my friends that uh, the, the rationale and the reasoning uh, I mean, almost always accompanied with some other exter external force like uh, medication or previous uh, history of depression or, um, you know, there's always other factors, external factors, but in terms of just ideology, like why they were thinking about it, it always felt like the same kind of conversation I was having with like really sensitive, intelligent people who expected very basic things of humanity and humanity wasn't able to deliver on some extremely base what seems like a really easy thing like just treat each other with decency and uh as we can see in our world today um folks are often pretty bad at treating each other at least what we see in the media it's pretty bad so yeah, and specifically with that concept, is that something that you're hoping to explore with your film? Uh, yeah, just the conversation. Okay. Um, I, I I have no illusions that this this film will help anyone with mental health. I no illusions that I'm adding to the conversation. I, you know, I don't know. Like, I'm not. I didn't study psychology or. Uh, anything of uh, any kind of medical anything <laughs> got like a C, got like a C minus in biology in 1996 <laughs> you know so um, I, I'm, I'm a I'm a fool when it comes to this stuff but um, I do I, I mean from an artistic lens or from an artistic perspective and an anecdotal like and compassionate perspective towards my friends um, I do notice that people that don't struggle with these kinds of things um, have a really hard time talking about it. They get scared of talking about it. They uh, they pretend it's unusual. They there's even been like Facebook comments on our crowdfund page for this film um, where people are like, "Well, I, you know, I hope that that's uh, uh, weird or unusual." You know, they they they. They think and they hope that suicidal ideology is abnormal versus normal. And I do think that there's a really high percentage of folks that have at least thought about it at some point, maybe not seriously considered it, but it definitely goes to the course of their mind. And the, furthermore, there's even larger amount of people that if they understood why a person feels the way they do, they can identify or relate to the rationale, maybe not to the extreme, 
but they can connect with that. And I, and I think that that, if there's any contribution that is valuable, it would be, um, you know, so often as artists, we preach to the choir, we kind of say a thing and people that are already in line to agree with that thing, uh, you know, that's who our audience is, is the people that already have the same opinions as us. Yeah. But if this, if this short is able to kind of open a conversation because it's subtle and because it's funny and because it's ridiculous and magical and then potentially still entertaining and not like depressing, even though the subject matter um, ultimately is heavy. Um, but folks that maybe don't have any ability to understand why a person would even think that it, maybe at the very least it's a conversation starter to be like, Oh, this is normal. This is not, it's not weird to think this. Um, it's extreme to go through with it. Sure. Because I think as humans, we view death as one of the highest levels of extremity. You know, it, it feels final to us, but, um, uh, I, I, I don't think that uh, that means that the ideology is abnormal or extreme. Sure. So, and I, yeah. I think that's it's a really amazing thing that we have these opportunities to have more open and specifically open-minded conversations about things that aren't traditionally talked about. Yeah, I think that uh, in previous generations, folks, um, there, there was this, uh, I mean, you know, tough love has kind of gone away a lot, in, and uh, for better or for worse, um, the, the way that is better that's gone away is for things like this. We can be more open to talk about things that normally we would shut away and hide just so that we can, like, get by. And just imagine that the amount of people that were struggling with... Um, severe amounts of trauma and um, and their own baggage, but they just uh, kept it locked down and it seemed like they were tough and it seemed like they could handle more, but maybe they just projected and uh, passed that down the generation through, you know, violence or through, um, you know, either physical violence or uh, emotional violence uh, to their family. Yeah, to people that they even care about, just because they don't have a handle on their own uh, past pain. Yeah, and so um, I think while on the surface it looks like younger and younger people are sissies, that openness is actually more tough in a lot of ways uh, because that openness. Uh, per, uh, allows a person to actually process through and, and grow. So as long as there's a, a toughness that comes with that um, openness, then, then uh, I mean, the, uh, then the younger generations are by far, uh, um, they have the, the, the fodder and the materials to actually be way tougher than uh, the predecessors. It's just, we just have to kind of redefine what toughness is. It's like, is it tough to hide behind like thick skin or is it even tougher to like let yourself get uh exposed uh and not have any kind of shield you know 
It puts so. us in a very vulnerable position, but the best we can do is try and find out. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and uh, yeah. So maybe there's like maybe the next generation will have like uh, a kind of balance of the two things where they uh, they're vulnerable and uh, they can take a beating and and not take it out on somebody else. You know, yeah. I don't know. We'll find out, I guess. Mm-hmm. So we've got a a couple um, more questions for you. I wanted to ask: Was there a specific real life event that inspired this film? Uh, there was like six or seven events. I mean, okay. So when I I first sat down to write this thing, I all I was trying to do was write a, a story that was a conversation between two people that would be easy to shoot. So. <laughs> That's okay. kind of how it started, and I, I wrote it over uh, the holidays when I was visiting my parents, because they live in the middle of nowhere in western Virginia, and um, there's really nothing to do but eat, sleep, and be productive down there. So um, so I tried, I, I banged up this short, and the first draft, and it kind of um, organically became this thing, and you know, um, I typically I, I always pull from something in my life, and I think most writers do. Um, so there was one thing that was literal from from the short, and that was uh, uh, I did I was going to climb in the flat irons with my buddy Richard, and um, we heard some people, some commotion. We ran over to help, and there's um, two people that had already stabilized uh, the C-spine of this guy who was in his underwear, who was on acid, who just fell 200 feet off of uh, a flat irons in uh, Colorado. Wow. And uh, he was covered in lacerations and abrasions, and um, he had, uh, I think, an angulated fracture to his ankle and his huge uh, open laceration on his head. Uh, no skull fracture or anything like that. Nothing that, like, once I looked at him for, like, I don't know, 30 seconds, I was like, nothing's going to kill him. Yeah. But um, but it was still pretty, um, it was a pretty alarming scene. It was, it was interesting because I wasn't the first responder there, and uh, actually WEMT had shown up just after us, so I was kind of outranked with um, medical knowledge. But, um, and, and probably like four patient assessments happened with this patient. But the, the most interesting thing for me was how sober and coherent this guy was having taken like 10 taps of acid. And, um, he was really, he was tripping and acting crazy moments before. But I guess the adrenaline spike from the fall sobered him up really quick. And um, so that was a that was one influence. And then um, I, I you know I responded to a bunch of backcountry accidents, but the one that um, a couple of years ago, but it's almost three years ago now, uh, it was one of the only accidents that ever happened to me personally, where one of my clients, I used to be a mountain guide, um, took a fall and was knocked unconscious and had amnesia uh, on the uh, lower Coleman Glacier on Mount Baker. 
and I had to do a solo rescue with two other clients there and uh, get this guy out of the backcountry and, you know, do a focus fine assessment and all that kind of stuff. And um, uh, that emotionally was more of a influence on this piece because I had much longer conversations with the person that I had spent like three or four days with and uh, I was alone in the whole process of rescuing and um, it, impact, it was it's much more, I mean, it was just, yeah, it was just a, a much more intimate sort of rescue than the other one because the other one, there was so many experts on scene and Rocky Mountain Rescue came and helped with the actual, or they conducted the actual uh, litter carry. Um, so, yeah, one uh, for for everything that kind of visually on the screen was Rocky Mountain flat irons, and then emotionally was the personal thing that actually was probably the, one of the biggest catalysts that season for why I quit guiding altogether with. But okay, uh, yeah. So those two things, and then as I said before, all the conversations I had with uh, good friends about about their suicidal ideology. Yeah. So. so, I mean, these these situations obviously are incredibly complex. And um, who are you working with in order to try to portray your vision on the screen? Um, yeah. So the first, I actually, part of the reason I wrote this thing was to work with my friend Briarly, who, Briarly Long, she's a SAG actress, um, she spent years uh, doing theater and film and commercials in Japan, I think eight years there. And uh, she moved to the States like a year and a half ago to go to UCLA for their professional program in acting. And I was attending that program as well, but for screenwriting. And so we met during that program. And she's been very supportive person uh, this industry is incredibly hard and weird to get into it's like the means by which things need to line up in order for you to get a job doing what you want to do in uh hollywood or independent cinema is pretty hard it's it's weird there's no definite path and uh even it seems even if you know folks that are in certain positions, uh, it can still be hard to be seen. And so that, I think that's part of the reason that I wanted to make this thing and I pulled together a cast and crew of folks that are in a similar position. Folks I, I feel like are really talented and have done, have already kind of shown their stuff, but for whatever reason, they haven't been able to get to where they want to get within the industry. And so making this film would be like a calling card for folks that they can use because it's a lot easier for a person to watch a 20 minute short than it is for them to read a script or to watch a reel or, uh, you know, or to have you audition or whatever. Sure. So it started with, it started with Briarly and then, uh, I immediately, um, thought of my friend Oliver who uh, is a DP and climbs at uh, climbing gym with me and he's good friends with um, 
my friend Marcin who introduced us and we've like worked uh, you know on sets together doing like personal electric stuff and um, Oliver's a really awesome dude and he also has a really beautiful uh, some you know he's award-winning cinematographer forget the name of the uh, he just recently won some cinematography award from a festival and then um, our producer is uh, Anna Anna Leantes and she uh, was referred to me through she's friends with my brother uh, Jesse who's also he storyboarded this my brother is a storyboard artist uh, and art director in the animation world I've worked on projects with him but he, he used this storyboard for like Adventure Time and he recently art directed for Midnight Gospel but he introduced me to Anna Leantes and she's done a bunch of short stuff for herself and produced and she's been really helpful because I was going crazy trying to self-produce this film I, I just don't have that mentality I, I can be organized but it like exhausts me after a while and she's been able to take a lot of that off my shoulders so that I can focus on the creative aspects of the project and uh, and then my brother's girlfriend Sarah Beebe she's going to be doing compositing for it um, she's a really talented animator and uh, there's some special effects that we need done in the film that she's going to help us with and then speaking of special effects uh woman named Alicia Spencer got pulled in through Briarly to do makeup and uh, all the kind of gore, all the lacerations and abrasions and blood gags and urine gags and all that kind of stuff that um, will take place in the film. She, and she's pretty, she's amazingly talented and all that stuff. Um, and I'm pretty sure we locked our, our male lead yesterday and uh, this actor named Roy uh, I can't pronounce his last name I should learn how to pronounce his last name but he uh, he's done a bunch of big projects and he was really excited to work on this as well so I think uh, I'm pretty sure we're going to work with him which would be awesome if we can start rehearsals well it sounds uh, like you, you've got a really rad crew set up so far yeah yeah I think I'm, I feel really super lucky because uh, a lot of these folks are um, intending to work for free or cheap. I'm, I'm trying to raise enough money to pay them all because that's how I feel. Like I feel like people should be compensated. I mean, uh, for me personally, this project is like just seeing it through and creating something in its finality is that's everything to me. But I mean, even like uh, for editing, I've already locked in my friend Alex, who worked on like Gaslands and things like that. And um, uh, he's just such a talented person. And like, I want to be able to pay him a good wage. <laughs> I want to sure. be able to pay all these people a good wage. And as it stands right now, I think we almost have enough money just to shoot this thing, which I'm pretty excited about. Um, means it can happen and it means it and i think everyone's behind it enough that they want to make it happen even though we don't have the funds to pay anyone very well or at all 
And so I think that's the next step is raising enough money to compensate people. Um, oh, yeah, I mean, also like you two. <laughs> like really good friends that are willing to step up and like not only uh, are going to help out, so uh, Julian and Eric are going to be on set doing PA plus duties, you know, helping out with all the odds ends that a small production uh, needs hands for. And uh, on top of that, you all even contributed to the crowdfund. So uh, that's that's the kind of production we're in is where the people making the thing are even giving money <laughs> to <laughs> the thing. So, so uh, we absolutely yeah. understand this is a huge undertaking and you, that as an individual, you're a small entity in the grand scheme of the universe. Uh, is there a way that our audience specifically can help with this project? Yeah, so we're we're entering our last week of a month-long crowdfund that we're doing on Indiegogo. Indiegogo uh, and uh, I think they're going to add the link in the uh, show notes, but it's IGG dot M-E slash A-T slash rescued hyphen short hyphen film uh, is the address and um, that's uh, where our crowdfund is you can also just find rescued short film on Instagram and there's a link in there or my personal Instagram Michael Justin Moynihan and there's the link in my bio there or on Facebook, there's the rescued short film page, um, and uh, all of these have like the my brother's illustration that we're using for the uh, the film poster, and um, yeah, I guess in the crowdfund there's like all all kinds of normal incentives and abnormal incentives. Um, you know, we're like I'm making like writing people songs if they contribute fifty dollars or more to uh, the crowdfund and I'm posting those daily on Instagram and then um, you know we got posters and t-shirts and that kind of stuff I'm also if people give up to $500 I'm teaching a certain amount of the wilderness first aid curriculum to folks so if you want to learn like the patient assessment and some wilderness wound management I'll be doing a uh online lesson of that stuff yeah and uh, I uh, beyond this I mean it'd be really great if we got you know a little bit more funding through this crowdfund we're considering corona we've done exceptionally well uh, I'm very pleased with where we're at and we like I said we almost have enough to shoot and um, I think that if we can raise a little bit more money during this week, that'd be amazing. But um, beyond that, like, yeah, I don't know. I know it's hard times right now. So I also am just grateful for what we've already gotten. So uh, yeah, well, I guess what's meant to be will happen. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna... Or something like that. <laughs> and we'll also make sure that we um, give our listeners some ways that they can connect with you and your project. Yeah. I think that even beyond the crowdfund, like, you know, if, um, 
I'm always looking to expand my my network. I'm happy to, you know, people have reached out during the course of this project, uh, even to offer like their uh, professional services and stuff. And I definitely am appreciative of that. We have a pretty locked uh, casting crew, so I don't think we're bringing in anyone new for the project per se, but I'm always happy to meet and connect with new people and that kind of thing. And um, Yeah. Yeah. Well, Justin, thank <laughs> thank you so much for being on our show this morning. We really appreciate it, and we cannot wait to see the final product. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate you too. You're awesome, and the show is great. So, all right. <laughs> thank you so much, and best wishes for your film. All right. Yeah. Thank you, Julian. Bye, Eric. Thank you. If you're interested in doing some of your own research on this project or even contributing, please check out the links posted below. You can find them in the, the description for the show wherever you're listening to it. Now for a public service announcement. Don't travel. Sometimes you might notice that there are too many things on the floor. You might consider hanging those things up. Pros of the system. Less items on the floor. Cons of the system. More items on the wall. Make sure to carefully weigh the pros and cons of this system, and please leave a comment below if you need assistance in making this decision. Morning Synth is sponsored by Household Chores. Were you enjoying yourself on the couch watching television? Do you think you can just go and do that? Just enjoy yourself? Get up and get cracking. You've got Household Chores coming to a household near you.
What is a synthesizer? A synthesizer is a tangible item that helps Eric and me explore our feelings. They are complicated, make weird noises, come in all shapes and sizes, and are somehow wildly popular. I don't get it. Fundamentals of the synthesizer. In its basic format, a synthesizer is a type of electronic musical instrument that is typically operated using a keyboard and various knobs and dials to create a wide variety of when used to create dance music you have now unlocked EDM congratulations EDM stands for electronic dance music so if you took out the synthesizer you would just be left with dance dance doesn't make any sounds when playing a synthesizer you might find yourself making sounds like or if you happen to find yourself with a synthesizer that looks like this then you might be able to make a sound like this. This is why we chose to dedicate our entire identity to this magnificent toy. Remember, if you can hear my voice right now and you've never heard a synthesizer before, you are lying. Now for your daily etymology, brought to you by edimonline.com. Synthesis. From the early 17th century, synthesis means deductive reasoning. From Latin synthesis, collection, set, suit of clothes, composition of a medication. From Greek, synthesis, composition, a putting together, combine, from synthethene, meaning put together, combine, synth, together, and tithene, to put, to place, from the Proto-Indo-European root, J, to set, Put. 
earlier borrowed in Middle English as synthesis in the mid-15th century. Synthesize. Combine or bring together two or more things. The correct way of combining synthesis in the suffix eyes would be synthetize. Synthesizer. From the 19th century agent from synthesize. As early as 1909, used to refer to an instrument that generates musical or vocal sounds. Electronic version from the 1950s. On our next episode, we'll be discussing something you might have thought about before. Food for coffee and thought for your ears. You've been listening to Morning Synth on AM 420 KMJM.